Hello, I'm Harlan Krumholtz from Yale University, and I'm joined today with Peter Berger from Geisinger and Rita Redbird from the University of California, San Francisco. And we're here today to talk about a very interesting announcement that came out of the FDA. Basically, they said that patients who are on Plavix, that there's a certain subpopulation who don't get the full effectiveness of Plavix. Now, now we know this. This is from platelet activation studies. And actually, an FDA official admitted that this wasn't from any outcome study. And it's from nothing new. There was no new announcement at this trial uh, evidence from at this meeting. We had no new information that was released. This is the FDA reflecting on what's already known and coming out and warning patients. And, and I saw on CNN at the bottom of the page where they have the sort of news things that was a warning to patients that uh, if you're taking Plavix, you could have problems not having the full effectiveness of the drug. And we're here today to just talk a little bit about this. But what, what does this mean? Was it a good thing to do? Do you think that patients are going to benefit from this? And, and I'd like to start with you, Peter. You're uh, experienced with interventional cardiology. You work with Plavix quite a lot. Get, what's your impression of this kind of warning that comes out? Well, I absolutely am concerned it's going to be confusing to patients and physicians alike. And I don't really understand it, and I want to um, acknowledge that the people who made that decision may have more uh, access to more data than I have. But I want to remind our audience that uh, a few years ago, there were lots of studies that suggested atorvastatin and other similarly metabolized statins interfered with clopidogrel. They showed one after another study that atorvastatin reduced the inhibition of aggregation um, from clopidogrel, and then all of the clinical outcomes data suggested no diminution and benefit from clopidogrel at all. We then went through the same thing with calcium channel blockers, which reduce the inhibition of aggregation from clopidogrel and do not reduce the benefit um, from clopidogrel. And now, most recently, we went through proton pump inhibitors that clearly, in every study, reduce the inhibition of aggregation and don't um, harm the uh, benefit afforded by clopidogrel. So what I've learned from the past couple of years is that at least when we're talking about concomitant medications, aggregability does not um, correlate with clinical outcome and ought not be used to guide clinical decision making. Now having said that, there's lots of studies going on. I'm very supportive of them. We have a lot to learn. But to be making clinical recommendations and um, black box warnings based not on clinical outcome data, but on aggregability, which has just been disproven in, this, in the setting of concomitant medications, is puzzling. Rita, when you reflect on this, uh, you know, my thought is that a lot of doctors are going to hear from patients this week, you know, and that shows up on CNN like that. It's, it precipitates a lot of questions and concerns. Doctors are going to be taken a little by surprise by this. What, what are you going to do when patients come in and ask you about this, or your colleagues who uh, ask, you know, know that you're in the know about the FDA and, and that you've had experience uh, thinking about guidelines and these kind of decisions? What are you going to tell them? Well, I, I think it brings up a lot of issues, and, and I think it raises as many questions, or probably more questions than it answers, because the truth is, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't think, recommend going out and getting this genetic test, because I really don't know a lot about that. And we, as Peter said, we don't know what the data is, you know, and it would be good to have more information from the FDA on what led to the boxed warning. But 
to me, it just raises more questions because I already, I, I didn't think it was so clear the proton pump inhibitor data. I thought there was some studies that suggested a very strong signal of harm if there was a combination of PPIs and clopidogrel and then other studies that did it. Observational studies. Observational, but with a 50% increase in MI and death, I thought that was pretty powerful. Um, and then other studies that did it, right? So, I mean, I feel like I don't know. I mean, I see a lot of women, and, it, and the data for benefit is not very strong in women. It's much stronger in men than in women. And, and now we have this new warning about this genetic, you know, subtype. And so I find it, um, and it's definitely, I think, going to be confusing to patients because it's confusing to us. And so we certainly, I think another lesson is message is important, and you know we need to be really careful, the FDA too, about the message we give to patients because you don't want patients stopping a drug that could be life-saving, and we need to know what to tell them. Yeah, I'm interested, Peter, what you think. When I looked at Triton, you know, the comparison of clopidogrel and prazogrel, and of course prazogrel does not have this problem, and knowing that about a, I think about a third of the patients would be considered to have this issue about, you know, um, metabolizing and, and not having as much of uh, an effectiveness when you measure by platelet aggregability. I would have thought I would have seen a bigger effect in Triton. What was your interpretation? I, I think that's one of uh, several very important data sets uh, that argue against the uh, step that the FDA has taken. Patients on proton pump inhibitors, which um, are believed to reduce aggregability with clopidogrel and do not do so with prazogrel did not influence the risk reduction. Even the as they did the platelet aggregability, right? They, they, no, I think uh, there wasn't... Uh, wasn't big. It wasn't formal aggregability studies as part of um, that uh, study, but the clinical benefits as, uh, with prazogrel were not greater mm. among patients taking PPIs. And the same was true with ticagrelor in the PLATO trial. Again, ticagrelor outperformed clopidogrel. Mm -hmm. It did so to the same degree whether or not you want a PPI. And then you have a dedicated trial, the COGENT trial. And uh, it was stopped after only 3,500 patients because the company went out of business, but the curves are superimposable. So the studies that you're referring to, which did show, as you correctly cited, enormous harm, were heavily confounded all observational, and all of the proper subgroup analyses, all of the prospective uh, trials, and a dedicated trial uh, suggests no harm. Just one other thing, Rita. There is a big um, issue about gender and certain antiplatelet agents, and it, it played out most clearly in the 2B3 inhibitor world. With uh, clopidogrel, um, Jeff Berger and several others and I recently published nearly uh, a pool data from nearly 100,000 patients and found an approximately um, similar risk reduction in men and women. How they benefited was different. Greater reduction in myocardial infarction among men, greater reduction in stroke among women. But um, we didn't find, at least with that clopidogrel, in the big placebo-controlled trials, a big um, interaction mm -hmm. with gender. That was a great review, and I think that was very helpful. I mean, it certainly put together all the data which we, we really needed. But I guess since CURE came out, and I'm sure you know, CURE did not have a benefit in women. It was only in men. and I. So I was very happy to see their review, and I'm thrilled, you know, we to see people doing that because, especially for bleeding, there are different risks yes. and benefits. Yeah. But I guess the message to me, I mean, I, I don't think I can interpret the box warning and tell patients to do anything differently on that basis. Is that I think it's so important to have outcomes data, and that you know, I don't know that this box warning was done on the basis of any kind of trial. And yes, then you want to know, do I mean, do they substitute a different drug? Do they just not take, you know? A, a second agent? 
I think we need to have those answers before we can put boxed warnings and advise patients. So th this is, an, I think, an excellent summary and an interesting reaction from, from two experts suggesting that, you know, the FDA, as they come out with these kind of warnings based particularly on, on surrogate endpoints, may be putting us in a position as physicians of not really knowing what to do with the information, not knowing how confident to be that there's a problem even, and having to field a lot of questions from our patients. So we, um, we're left uncertain about proceeding, but I, I get a sense from the two of you that practice is not going to change because of this warning, that we need more studies, we need greater understanding, but at this point, the tipping point hasn't been reached that we would, we would change. So thank you very much for, for joining us, and uh, this has been a very good conversation. Mm -hmm.